0: Have a conversation with your girlfriend that was so good you wish it had been recorded? Think those conversations would be great to be able to share? Wondering if there's support or research for the recommendations your smart girlfriends give about mental, spiritual, and physical health? This podcast is born to answer those kinds of questions. Hello, I'm Sherry Holman-Collins, registered dietitian nutritionist, and here with me in the studio is my girlfriend, Dee Wilson. We are excited to have you joining us today for this edition of the Southern Fried Girlfriends podcast. Dee, how are you today?
1: I am awesome,
0: Sherry. How are you doing today? I am also awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm super excited about this show, Dee. Cooking and food and nutrition are totally my passions, but I know there are a lot of people who either don't like to cook or don't know how how to cook, at least not to cook food that tastes good and is healthy. In today's episode, we're going to talk through the real deal on how to make healthy food that also tastes great. So, here's the question. What do you think about when you think about the phrase healthy food? Uh,
1: I think gross. Like, it's going to be a bunch of green things on a plate, there's no (laughs) flavor, or like, boiled chicken like colorless you oh. know it's just not appetizing yeah
0: and I think that that is probably the, um, the the picture that many people have when they think of healthy food and and that's so sad you know to me as a dietitian, somebody who loves healthy food it's so sad to me to think about the fact that many people when they think of healthy food they think of cardboard yeah dry or just like green things that don't taste good <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I love the way green things taste. I I love that, but I get it. I hear what you're saying. They can taste good. They can also taste gross. I mean, yeah. be honest. It's true. And I think, you know, how food is prepared makes all the difference in the world, right? Absolutely. It doesn't matter what you're serving, how fresh it is. If it doesn't if you're not if it's not prepared well, a lot of times it doesn't taste good. And so when you think about green foods, I think that that's a that's a really important one. So We can talk about how to make those things taste better. Well, let's talk about it. (laughs) Well, first, I want to tell you a little bit of research, and that is that the International Food Information Council, they are um, a group that does an annual health survey, and they ask a thousand people about their thoughts on health, and they include some nutrition questions in that as well, and in a survey they did last year, the... Respondents said that they thought that it was easier to do their taxes than to eat healthy. Can you believe that? I I can
1: believe it. Like, if you think about all of the stuff that you see on the Internet about how to eat healthy what is healthy what's not there's so much conflicting information it's very easy to get overwhelmed so yeah I, I get that
0: absolutely I, okay so I take it back I do believe that people can be that confused when we think about the landscape of healthy eating uh, there are so many conflicting opinions and I'm not going to talk about all those different options there's certainly more than one way to eat healthy yeah. so we're not going to talk about all of those different potential ways but what what we are going to talk about is some really basic things that you can do to eat healthy that tastes great. Does that sound good to you? It sounds good to me. So cut through clutter. You know I like good food. <laughs> <laughs> I do know that about you and I love that about you. So I think, you know, I've got like four or five tips that I think are things that can help people. And as we talk through them, Dee, I want you to ask questions if you can think of something okay. or, um, you know, even challenge my thinking on that because I think it's important to to get for you to give sort of the the every person's opinion. You know, I know that as a dietitian, I eat differently than a lot of other people, right? <laughs> you do. <laughs> so my my in my you know in my g- friend group of dietitians, I always say you know we, Earth people don't eat like. <laughs> you know because I sometimes feel like an alien when I'm cooking for my family and when I'm talking about the things that I'm eating sometimes people look at me a little sideways are you really going to eat that are you really do you really want to eat
1: that that was my question like I see some of the things that you post online and I'm like that is so pretty she does not really want to eat that
0: but I do I do I never post anything online that I'm not eating I never put I never create anything so you can take this to the bank okay when it comes to Instagram and Facebook and anything else if you see me posting food it's because I ate it so all those seeds and things you eat that yes all of it I know it's like bird food rabbit food my husband teases me he's an omnivore and he totally teases me about some of the things that I eat and that I make but I eat it I eat all of it and I love it I don't just eat it I love it so let me share with you a few things that I think are um, ways to really make food taste great does that sound good sounds great Okay, so the first one I would say, um, and this is sort of uh, a big concept and like a simple concept, but it's a big part of I think healthy eating for everybody, and that is to eat more fruits and vegetables and mostly whole intact grains.
1: So when you say whole intact grains, yeah,
0: I knew that was gonna throw you. (laughs) Yeah, like
1: what are you talking about?
0: So if you think about you know a, a grain. Uh, I'm think I'm talking not flour. I'm talking not processed. So uh, a good example would be farro. Do you know farro? I,
1: when I think, fa- and I don't think they're the same thing, but farro and wheat berries, are they yes, similar? Fair- yeah.
0: They're the same family, same okay, family. So
1: I bought some wheat berries and it took me like three days to do those.
0: <laughs> so... <laughs> okay, so very chewy. And you know what? That's part of what makes them super healthy because that intact grain still has the bran and the fiber and the protein that a natural grain has. But once it's been processed by um, having some of that stripped away in, like, uh, barley, when barley is pearled, the outside is removed. And that removes a lot of the natural nutrition. It takes away a lot of the fiber and it takes away a lot of the vitamins. So when you're processing those grains, you're taking away some of what makes them so healthy.
1: But then they taste so good. They're like all soft and not so
0: (laughs) chewy. Well, you know, I think part of that is making sure you're cooking them enough, right? In a lot of cases um whole intact grains can benefit from soaking overnight. So, oh, really? Yeah. So if you take those grains and before you plan to cook them, say you're going to cook them on Monday, on Sunday night, put them in a bowl of water, put them in the fridge, and leave them overnight so that they are... Um, so that they are, are soaking up that water all night long. It'll make them softer. The next day when you cook them, it'll cut the cooking time almost in half, and they'll be a softer end product that's not quite as chewy, not quite as gritty or grainy. Okay. So whole intact grains, I love farro, I love barley, I love wheat berries. I think that um, there are a lot of really exciting ancient grains out there too. Even quinoa is a great one. Quinoa is, a, is a, it cooks in 15 minutes and it's intact. It's actually a seed, but it's, it's treated just like a grain. So I totally, I think that that's a big one. And then more fruits and vegetables. Most people do not eat nearly enough fruits and vegetables. And that's true across the board, regardless of age. You know what? I had a question.
1: So I don't generally like chickpeas, mm-hmm. but uh, I had a girlfriend make some generally uh, curry chicken yeah. has uh, potatoes in it, but mm-hmm. she made it with chickpeas instead. Um, and I was like, I'm not going to eat that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I did. But what she did oh, is she you. took the skin off the chickpeas. So okay. does that remove a lot of the fiber by doing that or
0: I don't know off the top of my head how much fiber there is in the skin of the chickpea versus the chickpea with the skin but I would say it does it's going to re- reduce the fiber a little bit but legumes in general are pretty fibrous so I think if you're eating the legume you're probably good to go I mean it's better than it's better than not eating it certainly mm-hmm. and um there are benefits to eating it anyway oh it was delicious okay good. I can do that good so more fruits and vegetables you know my recommendation is to have um Five to nine servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Are you eating <laughs> anything else? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So what does the USDA say? So the USDA's recommendations are from MyPlate. You can go to MyPlate.gov and see what they say. And they really base their recommendations on age and gender. And, um, you know, they, their recommendations are similar, similar to five to nine, depending on your, your age and your gender. And I think it sounds like a lot until you start breaking it down. So when we think about one serving, it's just a half a cup. Half a cup is one serving, which is like one palm full. If you cup your hand into a a little cup, that's one serving. That's not that
1: much. And that's the thing that has always really confused me. Because, like, if you look at the back of a package of, say, spinach, it'll say one serving is two cups. And then you look at the back of a package of something else. It's a half cup. Something else. It's so... Having um, like half a cup as a guideline mm-hmm. would be very helpful for me. Yeah, because I never know what a serving is. Yeah,
0: so half a cup is, of chopped vegetables is one serving, or one cup of leafy greens. So you mentioned spinach; they have more air between the leaves mm-hmm. of spinach. So one cup, so two two handfuls. You know, if you hold your hands together and you make a bowl, that's about one serving of leafy greens. So if you think about like a a salad you might pick up at a restaurant, a fast food restaurant, any fast food restaurant you go to and you get an entree salad, how many servings of vegetables do you think are going to be on that salad?
1: Uh, I'm going to guess four.
0: Yeah, at least three. Is it? Three to four. I would say three to four for sure. So, I mean, having a salad a day is not unreasonable. It's a really easy way to get a couple, two or three, if you make it at home, you know, servings of vegetables at one time. And then, you know, and then add to that some fruit in the morning, some fruit as a snack, you know, a couple of other, one other vegetable serving, and you're done for the day. So it sounds like a lot until you start breaking it down and thinking about, oh, this is really Super doable, doable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And if you eat those fruits and vegetables and grains together, I mean, you know, even better. So if you think about like, not not that there's magic in putting them together, it's just that it helps you get it all in, right? So adding, so making a grain salad, so taking that farro, the
1: flavor of the farro.
0: <laughs> hey now. <laughs> Well, you know, I have some other tips. You really think that tastes good. I do. I love it. I do. I do. And if you cook it in chicken stock, it adds some more uh, umami flavor, that meaty flavor that I think is really tasty. It makes it, it makes it taste really good. I'm going to try it. I'm going to make you some farro, girl. I'm going to make you some farro. I'm not going to promise I'll eat it. (laughs) Well, my next tip. I'll taste it. Well, my next tip will help with those fruits and vegetables and intact grains, and that is to use. Use herbs and spices, and lemon, and vinegar, and salt. All of those um, flavorings really help fruits and vegetables shine, and help those whole grains shine in a way that they don't on the on their own. So, yeah, I think that there are some foods in those groups, the fruits and vegetables and grains, that can be boring. But when you add a lot of flavor via f- you know, fresh herbs and some vinegar and a little salt. It makes all the difference, and those foods come alive, and they taste great. That is
1: definitely true. There's this uh, chef, Alex Garnaschelli. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And she said the main difference between, like, a professional chef and someone who cooks at home is that hit of acid at the end of a dish. So I can see how it would just really brighten up vegetables. and Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and lemon juice does that, and lime juice does that really beautifully. So I have actually gotten to the habit of doing that more, and I'm not a professional chef, but I want my food to taste great, and I want my 4-year-old. Well, that's her thing. She's yeah. just like,
1: as a home cook, just Do hit it. everything with a little bit of acid, some yeah. kind of vinegar, some kind of uh, citrus, and yeah. it just takes your dish up.
0: I think that that's great advice. And and I think the the use of fresh herbs, too, is one of those things that people sometimes are intimidated, right? They think fresh herbs, what goes with what? I was
1: just about to say. <laughs> that that's my main thing with using herbs is I don't want to like, I have this beautiful piece of fish, you know, or, you know, some other thing that I've spent money on and I've prepared it and I don't want to like, throw a bunch of herbs on it that don't go together. And I don't know what herbs go together.
0: Yeah. I think that the, the key to that is practice, you know, it's really just practicing with them. Buy yourself some herbs. They're not expensive. You know, a bunch of herbs is going to cost you about a buck, maybe a buck and a half, and they go a long way. Parsley goes with everything mm-hmm. and it tastes good. And it, it adds that little bit of herbaceousness to foods that I think um, really helps, uh, helps bring the flavor up in, in a surprising way. And it's a background flavor that I think can go with just about everything. So parsley is, a good one um and i always have it in my fridge
1: so that's like your starter herb
0: it is it really is like the it's like the it's the gateway herb and then um and then there is um cilantro which i think is controversial super controversial some people love it some people hate it that's genetic, by the way. Yeah,
1: from what I understand, some people it tastes like soap. <laughs> yes, I love it. I can't I get too. enough of
0: it. I do too. And, and um, that goes, so cilantro goes with anything that you think of as as like Latin flavors. Cilantro is just, a, it's a common herb. It's not the only herb they use lots, but that's one that, that's very common. So if you think about tacos, we almost always think about cilantro. So there's a good one, right? That's an easy one. Um, beans, you know, cilantro is beautiful with beans. Um, I think, you know, things like tarragon, tarragon is one that people are like, what is that what do I do with that it goes great with chicken I was just
1: about to say I had this amazing chicken salad that had tarragon in it and that's how I was introduced Mm -hmm. to that herb because I was like what is in this it was so good
0: it has almost a little anise flavor Mm -hmm. like a little licorice flavor and it's also really beautiful with carrots so try it with carrots yeah yeah Yeah. and then thyme is like this beautiful earthy kind of herb that I think is pairs most beautifully with mushrooms Thyme and mushrooms are like peanut butter and jelly. They just go together. They just perfect each other, I think. So I always recommend thyme, especially fresh thyme with mushrooms. So there you go. There's a couple of easy things to get you started. And then when we think about salt, use salt sparingly. Don't completely eliminate salt unless you have to, but don't overdo it either. You know, don't use salt to cover up the flavor of everything. Use it to bring up the flavor of everything. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't really taste salt in your food you, unless you're eating French fries. Then you should taste salt. <laughs> <laughs> but you should you, – salt should bring up the other flavors, and, and that's what you should taste. So – Easy tips, you think? Easy tips. I can do that. Okay, awesome. And then the next thing I would say is um, to eat more nuts and seeds. Uh, Nuts and seeds are, first of all, super nutritious. Okay, what's a seed? A seed would be um, like uh, pumpkin seed, hemp seeds, Mm -hmm. sesame seeds. Those are all um, packed with protein. They have some good fat in them, and they're packed with nutrients, with vitamins and minerals too. So seeds are a great addition, and they add a little bit of crunch, a little bit of textural difference, but they add a lot of nutrition, and they also add some flavor. So when we're thinking about making healthy food that tastes great – nuts and seeds can help complete a dish or they bring it up so when we think about salads you know people have often asked me like don't you get tired of eating salad no i don't get tired of eating salad (laughs) you eat a lot of different types of salad though exactly how you wouldn't get tired of it, right that is it you know a salad can be all kinds of things and i love to pile together as many different flavors and textures as I can in a bowl and call that my salad for the day. So nuts and seeds, I think are great. And it's peanuts and tree nuts and seeds, I think all are just going to be fantastic ways to, to really bump up the flavor of the food that you eat. And so some people ask me, Aren't they high in fat? Because I was just about to say
1: that—not
0: <laughs> so much about
1: the the fat portion of it, but the the cow—they're very calorically dense. Um, so I I'm very careful about the amount of yeah. nuts and seeds. Well, not seeds so much, but the amount of nuts that I eat because of yeah. that so are you saying just use them kind of as a garnish or what do you I
0: think a handful is the perfect amount a day okay. so however you want to eat them a handful a day is a great that's so that's not, just, the whole can of not the whole can of planters not okay. the whole can of planters but <laughs> I mean you know we had so so Dee and I had a little lunch today and I made a snack a kale salad <laughs> and that kale salad delicious <laughs> yay <laughs> it had a uh, peanut dressing and it had peanuts in it mm-hmm. And, you know, that to me, like if we had just had kale salad without that peanut dressing. I wouldn't have eaten it. <laughs> right. So the peanuts um, added that, that sort of heartiness. They added the saltiness and I had ginger in the dressing and that added some additional flavor. So I think, you know, that, that's a great example of a food that some sometimes people might be afraid of kale or they might be afraid of dark green leafy vegetables. But when you pair them with something like nuts and seeds, it adds that fat that you need and it adds some protein and some chewiness that I think really brings it together.
1: Okay. Is this true? And I can't remember where I heard this, but I heard that in order for your body to get the most out of the nutrients in things like kale and spinach that it has to be paired with a fat?
0: Yeah. That's true? Yeah, it's totally true. There are fat-soluble vitamins, A, D, E, and K. Um, All of those fat-soluble vitamins need fat in order to be absorbed.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: So salad dressing, a little bit of, of extra virgin olive oil, peanut oil in your dressing, or pairing them with nuts naturally allows your body to better absorb the nutrients that are found in those foods. So yeah, you're right yeah. on. So don't eat salad without salad dressing or without some sort of fat because you, you're not going to get the, the most out of them at all. That was a great question, Dee. Wow. I always wondered
1: about that. Yay. I thought it wasn't true, though.
0: <laughs> well, um, the last big tip I have, I think, for um, eating healthy food that tastes good is to eat out less by making your favorite foods at home. So what are those foods that you like to eat out?
1: Uh, sushi is one. And you're going to be making that? <laughs> I'm going to sushi. I'm going to try. We'll see. Um, gosh, I don't know. I don't really eat out a whole lot anymore. I used to love to eat out pasta. Mm. Um... What about you? What we you love like pizza. It? Like pizza? pizza's our
0: thing. Oh yeah. We so Friday night pizza place, we have a standing date. <laughs> and we and we do go out to the eat that pizza almost every week. And that's okay. I mean, I I'm not saying don't go out, but I think there are foods that you eat out that you can make at home and they can taste great. They might not taste exactly like your favorite restaurant. That's okay. But they can you can get the same Same sort of um, satisfaction. A lot of times when you're eating that at home and eat it for a lot less calories, a lot less fat, a lot less salt, a much healthier version of those foods. give me an example. (laughs) Well, pizza, I think, is a great one. I mean, you can buy some really fantastic crusts now um, that are ready-made or even buy fresh dough in the supermarket and then top it yourself. When you make these foods at home, you're going to use a lot less salt and you're going to get a lot more flavor. You're going to get to control the nutrients in that food and you're still going to get the sort of the, the, the payoff, The you know, get, get your itch scratched when it comes to your pizza um, if you're making it at home.
1: You know, we actually started making our pizza at home um, using garlic naan mm. and then just fresh crushed tomatoes with basil and garlic mixed in, Perfect. a little mozzarella, Perfect, and it's good. And we probably use about a third of the amount of cheese they use at the yeah. store.
0: Yeah, and that's, I think, a great restaurant. example. That's a great example. And pasta is another one. You know, one of the problems with um, restaurant meals is the portion sizes. The portion sizes that they bring you are huge when you go out to eat. And there are all kinds of tricks you can do, like share an entree with a friend or go ahead and box up half of it right away. (laughs) (laughs) You do share. So, you know, I mean, I think those are some things that you can do to make eating out a little easier so that you're not overdoing it. But the truth is that when we're when a plate is put in front of us, we're inclined to eat whatever's on it. So whatever that portion size is, is one portion. Once <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> when it's in front of us, even if it's two or three or four portions, real portions, you're still gonna eat what's in front of you. But when you're eating at home, you're not gonna portion yourself out four portions at one time. You're gonna you're gonna give yourself a reasonable portion, and then you're gonna go back and get more if you want it, which is fine too. But I think that that's another real um, reason, the strategy of eating those favorite foods at home rather than eating them out works for many people.
1: So what would you recommend for pasta? Cause I love pasta. Um, and As I am losing weight, Mm -hmm. I find that it's one of those things that it's very difficult to kind of work into uh, my menu. So what would you recommend for that?
0: So here's how I do pasta. We we don't eat pasta a lot, not because there's anything wrong with it, just because we don't love it. I mean, I I think it's okay. I'm not a huge – my husband likes it a lot, but I'm just kind of like it's okay. It's not my favorite food, so Mm -hmm. I don't – it's not something I I gravitate toward. But when I make pasta, I try to make – Um, you know, if you think about when you go out and you have pasta, you get a lot of pasta with a few mix-ins and some sauce, right? Mm -hmm. If you flip that and you make a pasta that's a lot of the mix-ins and a little pasta, you have a much healthier balance. So, for instance, if I was going to make a pasta, I love to make pasta that has mushrooms and spinach and tomatoes in it. I just think that Mm -hmm. those, that goes really well with pasta. It goes well with pizza. (laughs) I love those flavor combos. So a lot of times I'll do that and I'll just put in a lot of tomatoes and I'll put in broccoli and I'll put in spinach. So I put in a lot of vegetables and sort of stretch it out and then maybe use half the amount of pasta. That a recipe calls for, oh, wow. and then and then you mix it in, and so you end up with this much heartier dish. And you're you're still getting your pasta, but you're not you're getting full faster because you're going to have a lot more fiber, and you're going to have a lot more vitamins and minerals and nutrients from those vegetables that you've added in. And you can also add in meat. You know, we do chicken sausage pasta a lot. So chicken sausage um, with like mushrooms and and some sort of green thing. It might be broccoli, or it might be spinach, and then um, half the amount of pasta that a recipe calls for and mix all that together. And it's great. And we all still get our pasta fix, but we're also getting all those other nutrients. Is that a
1: cream sauce that you're using on that? A red sauce? What are, what are we putting on it?
0: That's a great question. <laughs> I, I don't typically do a cream sauce just because it's not my favorite thing. Gotcha. Um, and I, But I think there's nothing wrong with doing a cream sauce. Again, thinking about portion size. If you look at a recipe and you can cut that sauce in half, then, then try that. Start with half the amount of sauce that's called for. You can make the whole batch, but add half to the pasta and See if it's dressed enough. A lot of times with salads and with pastas, the problem is with the dressing, right? Yeah. There's just too much of that on there. It doesn't even taste that great. You know, it doesn't. sort of swimming in the sauce. And I think that a much better way to think about pasta is to think about it like you think of salad. Dress it. Don't, don't, um, don't cover coat it. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So helpful tips? Helpful. Okay. I think I,
1: think I can do most of those.
0: Awesome. So I think that the last thing you've talked a little, a little bit about the why and, you know, some of the how, and I think this, at this point, I want to share with you a few resources that can help make this a little easier once you start trying to do this at home. Okay. I think the first thing that I would recommend to anybody who really wants to eat healthier at home by cooking better food is to take a class. I think there's something about that in-person experience with somebody who loves to cook healthy food that cannot be replicated at home. And it doesn't have to be an expensive class, right? You can find somebody in your area who's doing classes. A lot of um, colleges, community colleges, and in our area, even our high school offers classes to the community. Oh, seriously? Yeah, yeah. So you can take a class with somebody who's a trained chef or who's a dietitian, and you can learn a lot of techniques that you can replicate at home.
1: Well, I will tell you that, you know, my youngest son and I attended a class that Sherry did, gosh, has it been like a year and a half or so Yeah, ago? it's probably been almost two years. And that's where I first learned to start using herbs in our food. And by incorporating herbs, I can cut the salt that I'm using in half. And my food be even tastier. Um, I don't like salty food, but I was using a lot more salt back then
0: than I am now, thanks to your class. I love that. What a great testimonial, and I didn't pay her to say that, <laughs> so <laughs> thank you for sharing that. I think that's awesome, and, and I have benefited so much from taking classes, too. You know, I love to cook, and I've had the chance to go to some places that teach amazing cooking classes, and I learn so much every single time. Even if it's a class that's sort of basic, I think you can learn so much, even if you consider yourself to be a pretty good cook. So in-person class is definitely on my list. And then where else can you learn every single thing that you need to know in the whole world except for YouTube?
1: YouTube videos. (laughs) I've learned how to comb my hair. I've (laughs) learned how to put on makeup and definitely cook. So, like, I have found this – like amazing woman, Indian woman on YouTube, um, who is like cooking outside. And that has given me a lot of ideas about how to incorporate a lot of spices into my food. What about you?
0: Yeah, I think that Indian food is one of my favorite kinds of food. And I have no background with Indian food. But I've learned a lot on YouTube as well. And I think that You know, if there are techniques you want to learn, if there are types of food you want to learn about, um, YouTube is a great place to do that. And, you know, you can, once you get some idea of what healthy cooking looks like, you can identify what is and isn't healthy online pretty easily. So that's definitely one way. And then there's a website called Healthy Aperture, and that's aperture like a like in a camera, as in camera aperture, A-P-E-R-T-U-R-E, Healthy Aperture, where you can go and you can find um, pictures and links to restaurants. Recipes and amazing food that's made by registered dietitians and health-minded people um, to help you learn more about what healthy cooking looks like and how to do that in your own home. So places for recipes and pictures and inspiration. Healthy Aperture. I to check that out. And then I always recommend Cooking Light magazine. It is an oldie but a goodie. I mean, such a standard. It has been through some really fun upgrades recently and um, they definitely have some new inspiration, new brains behind what's in the magazine right now. And I love it. Do you that? That is the that?
1: only magazine that I buy, actually. Really?
0: Yes, yes. And what I
1: love about it is that I can also, because I don't like to keep magazines around, mm-hmm. but I, almost every recipe, I think every recipe that I've tried to find on Pinterest, I can find. So I just find a recipe that I really like and I want to save. And I put the title uh, in Pinterest with cooking light after it. And it brings up the exact recipe with the same photography and
0: everything. I love that. I love it. So you use Pinterest to save healthy recipes?
1: All recipes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's about right. You know, what we know about the demographics of Pinterest is it's mostly women, mostly food.
1: <laughs> yeah, some fashion too. Yeah, know, yeah, some yeah. Dresses and stuff. But yeah, most of, uh, you know, we do me- weekly meal planning. So mm, I save things to Pinterest to a specific board. And then when I'm making my plan for the following week, that's where I pull the recipes from.
0: I love that. And we're going to talk about meal planning sometime in the future. So I love that, Dee. Yes. That's a great little lead. And then the last cookbook I want to mention is called Good and Cheap. And it's by an author called Leanne Brown, and I love the book. It is super simple, basic, healthy recipes. They're also really affordable.
1: Okay, so I don't necessarily think of good food as cheap food. So do, <laughs> do those can those two things actually? Come they with us?
0: can. They can, and not surprisingly, it's a lot of recipes that focus on plant based eating. So it's not a vegetarian cookbook. Why is that
1: not surprising? That well, to me, I would think. Uh, chicken. 15 (laughs) recipes for chicken.
0: Right? Yeah. So when you think about proteins, you think about animal proteins, chicken's probably one of the cheapest ones. But the truth is that vegetarian eating is much cheaper than eating with meat. So because fruits and vegetables and beans and even seeds and nuts, when you look at the cost per pound, are going to be lower than the cost per pound of meat in general in the average diet. So there are going to be some exceptions. But in general. That kind of eating is going to be less expensive. So Good and Cheap Cookbook by Liam Brown. I love it. I think it's a great one to start with. There are lots of great cookbooks, and maybe we'll share some more in the future. But I think that that one is a good one to start with. It's also got really simple, easy-to-follow instructions.
1: So where can I find that? Amazon?
0: Oh yeah, definitely online. You can buy it online. Um, And many, many of the, um, I know brick and mortar cook bookstores are not super popular, but the brick and mortar um, bookstores are also going to often carry this book. So it's also that I think that they still do this, but they used to do a buy one, get one or buy one, give one where every time one was purchased, they would give one away to somebody who couldn't afford it. And I love that. too. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. So it's a great book. um, Good resource. And um, Dee, is there anything else that you wanted to say about this topic, how to make healthy eating taste good?
1: No, I mean, I think you gave some great tips. I'm going to have to go home and try them. (laughs) I mean, I will tell you, I haven't always been a fan of quote unquote healthy eating, Um, but I have in recent years uh, really been interested in ways that I can fuel my body in a way that's healthy and isn't hurting me at the same time. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I love that. And I love and I've seen you on that journey and it's been so much fun to watch. So thanks for letting me have a ringside seat. And so with that, I would say thank you so much to all of you guys for listening in today to the Southern Fried Girlfriends podcast. We've been so happy to have you. And thanks, Dee, for sharing um, your experiences and for giving just some great insight. And on our next show... We are going to be talking about, I think we're going to be talking about meal planning. So that's our, that's our next goal show. It may change between now and the time that it's um, launched. But for sure, our goal is to have a great show for you next. And I would say that we have one more question. And that is the question we end every show with. What's the one thing you're going to do to be healthier today?
1: Today, I am going to have a cocktail. So I, <laughs> I've got some good bourbon left over from the holidays. Um, I found this cucumber mint sparkling water. Shut up. Yum.
0: So I'm going to try
1: to make a little something, something.
0: That sounds awesome. What and, about you? Hey, I think a cocktail every once in a while is definitely something you can do for your health. <laughs> I think for me, I'm going to get moving. I have felt like today I have not moved enough. I haven't moved my body enough, and it's kind of cold outside, so I'm probably not going to move outside, but I'm going to hit the treadmill, get my steps in, and uh, feel great afterwards. So wherever you are, I hope that you are healthy today and that you are um, having a great day. We'll see you soon. Hey, y'all. It's Sherry again. I just wanted to pop back on real quick and say thank you again for listening to this episode of the Southern Fried Girlfriends podcast. I'm so excited that you're on this journey with us. As we build our audience and as other people start to listen in, I wanted to ask if you would help us spread the word. There are a few ways you can do that. You can follow us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find those links and all the links from today's show on my website at southernfriednutrition.com. Also, if you like the show, please share it with a friend in whatever way works best for you. You can do that by social media or by text or by email. Finally, give us a thumbs up with a good rating to help other people know that this is a show that they'll enjoy listening to. Thanks again for tuning into the show. I can't wait to be with you again soon.